0: And I want you to, um, again, open up to the passage of Scripture for our series. And I hope that you already have this passage somewhat earmarked, dog-eared in your Bible, or highlighted, notes all over it, because this is one of the greatest passages in the Word of God, and it's Isaiah 40:31. As we are, again... Focusing on what it means to soar like eagles, and this is the series finale this week. And I want to uh, just speak to you a little more about this. I had a friend that was um, I was talking with, and he's a, he's a friend of mine, but he doesn't attend church here on a regular basis. He comes every once in a while, and he's like, uh, "So you found out you found some more to say about soaring like eagles, huh?" And I said, "Yeah, you ought to come and hear it." Well. Unfortunately, he didn't make it today, but but you're here, right? And hopefully this series has been encouraging to you. I hope that it's truly spoken to your spirit and uh, that, that you're perhaps flying a little lighter or soaring a little higher. Um, because that's what it's really all about. We started week one with talking about God's promises and how we soar with God's promises. And we've talked about dreaming. We've talked about innovation. We've talked about having confidence. And we've talked about what it means to experience restoration and healing and renewal. We've talked about our responsibility. We've talked about a lot of things. And so today, actually, I'm going to wrap up the series But before I give you the title, let's read the series verse together, okay? And it's Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So be it, Lord. May we... Wait on you. And as a result of waiting on you, melt up with wings like eagles and soar. So today I want to share a message that I've entitled Soaring with Vision. With a spirit of faith. With a spirit of faith. I believe that you can't have spiritual vision without faith. And if you're truly going to be a person of faith, you need to have vision. Yeah? So I want to I kick this off with a few more eagle facts that kind of tie into where I'm going this morning. Here's the first eagle fact. Eagles build their nests in high places. High places. Eagles' nests are typically built as high as possible. Golden eagles seek the highest recesses in mountain cliffs to build their nests. While bald eagles nest in the top of the tallest trees. And the height serves for three purposes. The first is to protect their young. The second is to perch for surveying the territory. And the third is an energy-saving launching pad for the adult eagles. As they leave that nest and fly down, as they swoop down out of that nest, they gain uh, sufficient speed for the gradual climb into the sky. And I believe that we can choose to do as the eagles do and that is to build our nests in high places. Yeah. Not low places. Sorry Garth Brooks. <laughs> high places. Places where the Lord can inspire us and move us, protect us, where we can protect our families, where we can survey the land and say, yes, we can take the land. Also, another eagle fact is that eagles have sharp and precise eyesight. Eagles have exceptionally sharp vision. When it's compared to the eyes of human beings, they have powerful Acute vision. The cones of an eagle's eyes, its fovea, are are very small and tightly grouped, allowing the eagle to see animals with detail at nearly two miles away. That's sharp vision. Two miles away. You and I would have to look through a pretty powerful set of binoculars to see a rabbit from two miles away, right? Right? Eagles can do it because they have sharp and precise eyesight, vision. The eyes of an eagle are are placed forward on the eagle's head, giving it the accurate depth perception. And this is important because when an eagle is pursuing its prey, remember, eagles don't eat dead things, neither should we. Oh, man, this could be a sermon in and of itself. You know what? I I have had the opportunity this week to eat some dead things. Some people have come to me and wah 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 this one over here, this one over there, this one, and this one's talking about this one and this one. If we could ever stop talking negative about each other, we might just build unity and see God do something around here. My mama used to always say. If you can't say something good about somebody, don't say anything. If you don't hear anything else, I say this morning. From the youngest to the oldest, to the most mature, to the most innocent. Because some of the talk I hear coming from, people ought to know better. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you repeat. If it's not coming from the person, be careful. And if you got a problem with a person, go to that person and don't talk about them. You know what? That's feeding on dead things. Don't do it. Don't do it. Feed on that which is alive. And you know what? I'm not exempt from that. And neither are you. Nobody in this room is. We all have to discipline ourselves in what we say and what we feed on right? I didn't intend to get preachy right away, but I knew that was a burr in my spirit this week. And I knew it was going to come up eventually. We got to stop this foolishness. God's trying to build something here, and the enemy's trying to destroy it. And how he's trying to destroy it is through this. Be careful. Be careful careful little eyes what you see be careful little ears what you hear be careful little mouth what you say right just saying don't be feeding on dead things enough said on that perception perception how many of you know perception is reality how we perceive something in our minds that's reality that's not true spiritually There's things that we see in the natural that if we follow what we see in the natural, white flag. You might as well just give up. There's things that we go through. There's things that we see in our lives. And you know what? If if, If we based it on what we see in the natural, you might as well just white flag it. I'm done. I'm out. But thank God we don't live like that because we are people of faith. And we want to feed on faith. We want to feed on that which is alive. Also, eagles have an area of vision that covers almost 270 degrees peripheral vision. Now, I was trying to think about that this morning. At best, this is what I see. At best. And even when you get out here, it's, it's rather fuzzy. 270 degrees? Wow. Wow. You know what? Some of us need to gain that additional peripheral vision, spiritually speaking. God wants to give us a better vision, a better understanding. He wants us to see what we hadn't been able to see up to this point. But we need spiritual vision to super exceed the natural vision. And here's why. It says in 2 Corinthians 5-7. I didn't write this. Paul did. To the Corinthians... Inspired by the word of God. Matter of fact, inspired by the very finger of God. And here's what it says. We live by faith, not by Is it true? I would like to be able to say with confidence that I always live like that. But I must admit that there are days... There are times within those days where I struggle to really fully embrace that. Why? Because I'm still human. I'm as human as you are. But you're a pastor. Yeah, but I'm human. I have my moments. And there are days that it's easier to just go off of what you see and to go off of what you feel. Because that's human nature. But how many of you know that we are not human beings living in a spiritual world? We are spiritual beings living in a natural world. And we must adjust constantly and calibrate our lives constantly to live as spiritual beings in a natural world as opposed to the other way around. Because when we live the other way around we are going to struggle intensely with understanding that we must not get caught up in what we see but we must trust in that which is unseen because that which is unseen is eternal what is seen is temporary but that which is unseen is eternal another passage of scripture here is hebrews 10:38 hebrews 10:38 says but my righteous one, who? Righteous one. My righteous one will what? Live by faith. Now, this one's a hard pill to swallow, right here, friend. It says, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Pastor, that's, I didn't write it. I'm just the messenger. That's what God's word says. He takes no pleasure in us when we shrink back. Now, a moment ago, I said there's momentary lapses. We all have momentary lapses. And you can have momentary lapses without shrinking back. But God help us if we begin to fall back, shrink back. We begin to say, well, maybe it's not all that I thought it was. Maybe it's not worth my effort, my time. After all, I've been talked to and talked about in my family this and my family. Maybe it's just not worth it. Friends, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. And here's why I want to speak this today. Because the combination of faith and spiritual vision will allow you to fly higher and go farther. And that's where we should be living. That's where we should be building our nests, friends. In life it's easier just to stay in a safe place. What's predictable. We've we've become familiar what we've become familiar with, what's comfortable, what's you know Why bother, you know, pressing against status quo or why? No, friends, to live by faith means that we have that anticipation and that expectation that God wants to do something more. And we don't settle. We don't settle for anything less than God's best. That we fly higher and that we go farther. In one of the earlier services, one of the messages that I spoke in this series, I said that it takes courage, faith, confidence. Courage, faith, and confidence. And it does. It does. But it also takes vision. Vision to see with spiritual eyes. There's a time that we have to silence the voices in our heads. The voices that tell us that you can't do it. Or it will never happen. A time to stop listening to the voices of the naysayers who will tell you it's never going to be what you think it's going to be. You will never amount to, or you're strange because of this or that or whatever. you got to tune out the voices of the naysayers. And you've got to tune in to the voice of God. You've got to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit in order to fly higher and to go farther with vision. We need to follow Where we believe that God is leading us, and that requires a combination of faith and vision. So, the first thing I wanna talk about here, and I'm gonna go two points, okay? Don't worry. Some of you are like, oh man, he's just now rolling here. No, I've been going. I've been rolling. Where y'all been? I've been rolling along, been rolling and flowing. But two thoughts I wanna convey here, real quick, and this is the first one that we need to fly higher. We need to fly higher with faith. Remember earlier in this series, I said it's going to require patience, perseverance, and practice. Because eaglets aren't born knowing how to fly. Spiritually speaking, you were not born or reborn knowing how to fly. But you were reborn with the potential to soar. But it's going to require patience, perseverance, and practice. You know, there are many people living today in our world, partially because of the press. We live in a world that is just pressure packed. Anybody felt it this week? What about the rest of you? You just, were you like in a bubble or what? It's there, isn't it? And sometimes we reach a sense of hopelessness and And we hear words coming out of our mouths like, nothing ever goes my way. Mm. Words like, it's not working out for me. Words like, I can't take it anymore. Words like, I don't really care anyway. (laughs) Words like, whatever that describe a sense of despair or a sense of failure. And do you realize that was true of the group of believers that the writer of Hebrews was writing to? They were on the verge of giving up, quitting. That's why the letter was written to summarize all the reasons why they shouldn't quit. All the reasons why they should continue on and why they should live by faith. And if they didn't live by faith, they wouldn't be able to carry on. If they didn't have vision, if they didn't understand what Christ had accomplished for them, why bother? But the writer of Hebrews made it clear who Christ is, what Christ came to accomplish, that he is the high priest, that he is the great sacrifice, that he has taken our place, and he is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for all of us. Even right now, he's praying for you. We studied that in our Wednesday evening Bible study this past week. That totally gives you a completely different perspective when you think of that thought that Jesus is constantly at the right hand of Almighty God and he's making intercession for you. He's praying for you. And right now, he's praying for you. Does that change things maybe a little bit as to how you've been looking at it? It should, right? But the Hebrews were were on the verge of quitting, giving up, quitting the faith, going back into the world. Does that sound familiar? What about so-and-so? I haven't seen him for a while. Friends, I'm telling you, there is a constant draw to take you out and to take you down. And if you don't wise up to the attacks of the enemy as to how he can pick you off so subtly... Some of them didn't think that the Christian thing was worth it. Why bother? Why bother? It just isn't working out. And we see this summarized, really, this whole concept summarized in chapter 10, starting at verse 35. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39, it says this. And I apologize that the font is small. I realized this morning when I was looking at these slides that you can't read them in the back. And I apologize for that. I'm going to try to remember to go with a bigger font. But here's what it says. So do not throw away your, what? Confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Confidence, perseverance. Haven't I said that, right? You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. That was our earlier verse that we read. But we do not, I love this part, I love, this is great. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have what? Faith and are saved. In other words, the writer of Hebrews says, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up so easily. Don't give up so quickly. Because with endurance comes a great reward. In essence, he's saying, come on, you can fly higher. You can rise above it. The writer throws this zinger in. He says, the righteous will live by faith. I like what Dr. Tony Evans said. Anybody like listening to Dr. Tony? Man, he's a powerful, powerful minister. Here's what he says. I love it. He says, whatever faith is, <laughs> I like that. Whatever faith is, it's supposed to be a lifestyle, not an event. Whatever faith is, it's supposed to be a lifestyle, not an event. The righteous, quote-unquote righteous, defines a lifestyle, not an event or an occasion. You see, where we get ourselves in trouble is when we look to this event or this circumstance or that situation. And then we base our faith on that instead of basing our faith on who we are in Christ. And the fact that he's calling us up to a higher place. He doesn't want us living down here with this perspective, with this understanding. He wants us to rise up above the circumstances. If practicing your faith, listen to this, if practicing your faith is not a way of living, you're going to be hard-pressed to believe God when the chips are down. Faith is the way we should roll. It's the way we should do life. It's the way we should flow. It should impact what you think, how you talk, the decisions you make, and how you live your life. It should be about faith. Faith. The righteous are the ones who understand faith and get to experience God. That raises the question, how does it work and what is faith? Go to Hebrews 11, a very familiar passage. But that's obvious, Pastor. I know it is. Why are we having such a hard time living it out? Because we need to be reminded of it, right? Some of you, some of you who are new here, you're like, oh man, this guy's like, wow. He's like, what? What?" Hey, you know, I I love to have fun. I'm passionate. I'm not mad. Don't Don't interpret me as being mad. I'm passionate. But Hebrews 11, look at verses 1 and 2. I want to read this out of the the modern English version. I like. I just like the way it's worded in this version. It says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the men of old obtained a good report. Now, if we were to take faith, how many of you remember science class? This is going to be some of it's going to be easier for some of you young folks in the room to remember this. How many of you remember science class when you had to memorize the element chart, the periodic chart? Oh, yeah, right. If faith now, just go with me this illustration for a moment. If faith was on that chart, okay. So just imagine that faith's on there. And how many of you know those elements are always made up of more than one? Right. So. If faith is on that chart as an element, it would be, listen, listen to this, it would be one part belief. It would be one part hope. It would be one part trust. It would be one part perseverance. It would be one part confidence. Well, what is faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's belief, it's hope, it's trust, it's perseverance, it's confidence. It's all of these things all wrapped up together. But how many of you know that faith in faith, faith in faith has limited capacity? I'm not asking you to believe in faith for faith's sake. I'm asking you to place your confidence, your trust, your hope in the substance of things hoped for. Because the substance of things hoped for is who? Who? Jesus he is the subject and he is the object of our faith he is the substance of our faith that we are to place our faith in the author of faith so faith must have substance it is the stuff that we can rely on and what this means is that faith is only as powerful and only has the potential related to the substance for which it is attached Where is your faith? What is your faith attached to? We can rise higher when our faith is not in faith, but our faith is in the substance of things hoped for. Our faith is in Christ because Christ is the personification of God. He is our hope. He is the one that we trust in. He is the one that we have confidence in, right? And in order to understand faith, you have to look at the substance of things hoped for. Faith is tied to the substance. It's not tied to the five senses. But I don't see it, pastor. I just don't see it happening. Well, then you're not living by faith if you're talking like that. Really? Yeah. Well, it's it's not what you said it would be. Well, I'm still believing that it's going to be. Why are you so quick to give up? Remember remember when Peter was caught out of the boat and he took his eyes off of Christ? Epic fail right there. That's why he took his eyes off of Christ. He put his eyes on the circumstances. He put his eyes on the elements, the waves, the wind. And that's when he began to sink. Bloop, 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 bloop. But Jesus rescued him. He pulled him out. And what was he said to him? What happened to your faith, Peter? Come on. I'm here. I'm right here. And Peter regained that. In our study the other night, we were talking about this passage. And it's interesting to me. It doesn't say that Jesus pulled Peter out of the water and carried him back to the boat. No, he walked with him back to the boat. That means that Peter continued to walk on water. He regained his footing. If your faith seems to be a little rocky right now, you can regain your footing, friends. It's it's the substance. You've got to place your faith in the substance, the substance of things hoped for. He is the substance, right? I better move on or I'm not going to get through this. This is another line that Dr. Evans said that I really like. He said, Faith is the key thing you need if you want to experience God. When you don't exercise faith, you are challenging God's integrity. Ouch. Right? He said, to not live by faith is to call God a liar. And I love this. I love it. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. I'm going to say that again. Man, Dr. Evans has a way with words. I'm going to say it again. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. And the men of old gained a report that means that their testimony that's why we have in chapter 11 what we like to call the hall of faith all of these people that believed god it's the hall of faith here recently I had, April and I had the opportunity to go to the Football Hall of Fame. And I had never been there before. If you've never been, it's a really neat experience. And I remember one of the coolest aspects of going there was going in the room where they had the head and bust of all the players and coaches and administrators who were in the Hall of Fame. Because this, this room showed those who really lived it. They got the football thing, they, and they lived it to a T. And, and they were the ones that were honored for either their performance or for their, their vision to see the NFL become all that it could be. And even though the NFL has issues, and I get it, every sport, every, we have issues in culture and in society. These, these are men who have been honored for what they have stood for and how they performed, how they played. Well, in chapter 11, you have this for those who have lived by faith. It's a hall of faith. And we need to read those in scripture who trusted God. And when they trusted God, God responded. God came through for them. And we need to see the testimony. And we need to hear the testimony the testimony of even those in this room of how God got you through, how you overcame. The second aspect is this go farther, go farther with vision. Are you doing okay? Can I go on? Or you want me just to stop? I'm actually out of time. I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, I am out of time. Can I go on? Is that okay? Anybody got lunch appointments? You're like, I got to go, Pastor. You're free to go. Go, just leave. I don't want you to go, but, you know, if you got to go, go. But I I got something to say, if you can hang with me a few more minutes. Can you hang with me a few more minutes? Is that Okay. Okay. Got to go to the bathroom, go ahead. Got to get a drink, I understand. The head can only absorb, the heart can only receive what the bladder can endure or the backside can endure. I understand that too. I'll get to that in a minute. As faith gives us lift, vision gives us distance. And we can go the distance, friends, we can go farther. We can go farther than we've ever been. And you know, I need to regularly share the vision of our church because vision leaks. It's like, a, it's like a bucket with a hole in it. That's why we have these little bookmarks. And they are available on the Get Info table. We don't have them inserted. We didn't want to make your book thicker today. I mean, your bulletin thicker today. But these are available on the Get Info table. If you've lost yours, we've given them out. Or maybe you're new and you haven't had a chance to get one. We try to put them into gift in the visitor packets. But if you don't have one, these are available. It's great just to tuck in your Bible and have one. I have one in my Bible all the time. And it's something that we pray in intercessory prayer. It's something we talk about in staff. It's like, and even in your bulletin. Go ahead and open your bulletin just real quick. Look in the bulletin in the lower right-hand corner. Some of you didn't even know this was there. In your bulletin, look in the lower right hand corner. What's there? The mission and the vision of our church, right? The mission of our church is what? Loving God? Loving people, right? What is the vision? The vision is to represent Christ by becoming a community of worshipers who celebrate, connect, grow, serve, and reach others with his love and healing. That's our vision, that's what we're about. And we have to constantly rehearse that. I have to constantly rehearse that as pastor. And I need to remind you of that. I need to remind you of the, of the objectives. Objectives like this one. That we want to be a God-honoring, vision-led, spirit-empowered community of Christ followers. That's vision, friends. Are we there yet? No, but we're on our way. And notice it says the church, I see. That's not with our natural eyes. That's with spiritual eyes, that we see it in our spirit, that we pray it into existence before it comes into existence, because that's how spiritual vision works. There's another one of these objectives. I just want to pick out a few here. It says, the church I see is a loving, caring, family-focused church, among whom the lonely and broken find refuge, hope, and healing, and a sense of belonging. Another one The one at the very bottom of of the bookmark says, the church I see is deeply committed, exciting, and full of life. It is a church that is personally engaging, culturally relevant, and spiritually impacting. And how is any of that possible? It's through the verse that's listed on the very bottom of that bookmark. And I don't have it on the screen, but by now we should know it by heart. Because it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty. Right? Zechariah 4.6 If we pray it, if we embrace it, individually and collectively, if we begin to believe it, and if we will live it out, we will see it fulfilled, friends. At some point, listen to me, at some point, the church I see will become The church we want to be. And at some point, the church we want to be will become the church that he wants us to become. And at some point, ultimately, it's going to be the church that we are. Amen? Hebrews 11.3. Yeah, that same chapter. Listen, it says this. By faith, we understand the universe was framed by the word of God so that things that are seen, hello, were not made out of things which are visible. I love verse 3 in the Passion Translation. It's worded like this. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke. I love this. He spoke. And the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. He did it in creation. He's still doing it today. God is still speaking. He did it in creation. It's in Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And watch this. And God Said, let there be, and there was, <laughs> right? All that was seen became from that which is unseen because God said so. It's true in creation and it's true in your life. It's true in my life. It's true in the life of this church. God is Elohim. And that title represents his creative nature, and he hasn't stopped creating. He is still creating. And he wants to create something in our lives and in our church body that perhaps we haven't even seen. And it's a, it's a rhema word. It's a divine spoken utterance. When God says it, it happens. It happens. This is where faith and vision interlock and sync together. Spiritual vision is not about what we see with the natural eye. It's about what we see in faith. See, that's how faith and vision work together. The just shall live by faith. We will have vision by faith. When we live by sight, our strength fails. But when we live with vision, faith and vision, spiritual vision, waiting in the Lord's presence, we know that he gives strength to us, that he gives us perspective. And sometimes we have to speak to those things that are not as though they were. And call them into existence. Friends, we need to expect something more. We need to plan for something greater, and we need to anticipate that God wants to bring it about in our midst. Now, I'm concerned about the spiritual climate of our church. I'm concerned about the environment, not concerned as in a, well, there's reasons. No, I'm concerned as in, that's my utmost highest priority is for the spiritual well-being of our church and the spiritual culture, the spiritual climate. Do we have a, a culture of forgiveness? Do we have a culture of honor? Do we have a climate of expectation? Do we have an environment of healing? Do we have all of this is vitally important. That is of utmost importance to me. But I'm also concerned that we don't get stuck as a church. And that we don't say, well, this is, this is good enough. No. Or that we sit on our haunches and say, well, bless God, look at us. No, it's not about what happened yesterday. It's not even about what happens today. It's about expecting God to do something more tomorrow. And if we don't live like that, we'll settle. And we'll get stagnant. Water that isn't flowing gets stagnant. If the spirit of God is not flowing in our lives and not flowing through our church culture, it's going to get stagnant. But we don't want that, do we? And we don't want to settle. I have an image that I think will help convey what I'm talking about. Bring that image out, guys. Look at that little tugboat pulling that big cruise ship. The only thing is, that's not a tugboat. That is the Titanic superimposed over a modern-day cruise ship. Now, the Titanic in its day was humongous, thus the name Titanic. It was gigantuan, right? But look at it in comparison, and that is to scale, okay? That is what the Titanic would look like if it was riding right in front of a modern-day cruise ship. Well, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, it's good enough for me. No, it's not. We need to have faith for something more, something bigger. Well, this room hasn't really changed much in how long? You're sitting on seating that was made in the 50s. Older than the majority of those who are sitting there. <laughs> you know, when I, when I preach a series on flying like eagles and I talk about vision, I talk about innovation, I, I can't help but think that sometimes we're slow in the church to adopt change. Again, my utmost concern is for the well-being and spiritual well-being of the church. We've got to move forward with that too. We've got to see where God wants to take us together. Well, when you, when you finally hear from God, maybe I'll follow you. Hold on here a minute. Do you trust that God placed me here as your leader? Now, I'm not saying that anybody has said that to me, but that is an attitude sometimes that I feel. Yes. Correct. Come on. Correct. And I feel like I have to try to prove. I don't, friend, I don't have anything to prove to you. The only thing I have to prove to you is that I'm trying my very best to follow God and to lead us where God wants to take us. Yeah. But let me say this. We are no longer flying around in the right flyer. It was a great invention. That little airplane was a great invention. But if the Wright brothers were alive today, they wouldn't say, shame on you for getting in that big old jet airliner. You should be flying around in my Wright Flyer. Right. Heck no, they wouldn't say that. Right? But sometimes that's the attitude that we adopt in, church, ch- in our church circles. Instead of... I wouldn't even get on that thing to fly to Cleveland. The first ride flyer only flew like 110 feet. It, it didn't even go from one city to the next. But now we're going around the world because of innovation, creativity. And where's that come from? God! Whether the inventor recognizes it or not. <laughs> right? We're not cranking our cars to get them started in the morning. Remember I talked about old Charles Kettering. Charles invented that starter. Thank God he invented that starter. I don't want to crank a car to start it. Are you kidding me? Does anybody have a black and white TV at home? One person. Are you for real? Do you really have a? In the attic. Okay, but you're not using it. Let me restate that question. Does anyone have a black and white TV at home that you're using? Uh-huh, I didn't think so. Why? Because it's all technology. Anybody have a couch that you purchased in 1955 that you're still sitting on? I didn't think so. <sighs> That's why it's time, friends, that we move into the new century. Uh, Now you're wishing that you were me, right? And part of the reason I'm going long today is so you feel what I'm saying. I wish you were me right now because this is mighty comfortable. Friends, it's time that we envision change and that we adopt some change. Come the first of the year, we're going to start a chair campaign. I mentioned it not too long after I got here. Yeah, go ahead. And, and it's going to be a simple campaign. Here's what it's going to be. You're going to buy a chair for yourself and you're going to buy a chair for somebody else. And guess what? We're going to try to keep that cost right around 100 bucks. So for 100 bucks. From every person in this room, we can totally take care of refurbishing our seating. Well, you talked about that when you first came. Why hasn't it happened yet? Because there's a gestation period division. It's at the right time and the right way for the right reasons. It's time. Our pews are breaking down. They're cracking. Have you ever noticed when we stand up and sit down, it's like... I'm just concerned that one of these days, someone's going to end up on the floor or someone's backside is going to get stuck, pinched, and we're going to hear hooping and hollering. It's not going to be a spirit of God. It's going to be someone crying out because their cheek got pinched in a crack in the pew. I'm looking at April, she's like. Right. And I know some of you are like, is that the color? Don't worry. <laughs> gotcha. Right? I knew it. I knew it, doggone it. Don't look at the color. This is a sample. All right, we got three samples. There's one there, there's one here, there's one up here. I didn't pull it out. But you can set it in after service. You can try it out. It's a sample. It's a sample. Don't get all worked up about the color. It's nice. It's got a rack on the back. It's got a little place where you can put your communion cup. It's even got a sleeve on the back where we can put our, our tithing envelopes and, and, and another whatever we want to put back here. It's not big enough for you to slide Bibles and stuff in there. That's what this is for. But these are nice chairs. It's time that we move into a new century. These pews aren't going to last forever. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I I, I measured this room. I figured this out. We can get more seating in here and have more room with chairs. How's that possible? Because they're chairs. Some of y'all right now are practically laying on a pew. You got your stuff all spread out. We got a lot of seats in here, even though it looks relatively full. There's still a lot of spots. But here's what I'm going to say to you. If you regularly hit 80% of your capacity and you do nothing about it, you start declining in attendance. And you know what? We're starting to see that. Because a few weeks ago, we were boom, 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 boom. We were hitting that 80% and we were full, 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 full. Look now, we're not as full today. That's because the message that it sends to people is there's no place for you to sit. We want optimal seating at optimal times, and we want some space. Right now, your knees are probably crammed into the pew in front of you. When we get chairs, you'll have a little more room. Well, what about this way? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. The way these chairs sit, if they sit right up against each other, it basically becomes a pew because the seating is continual. There's no rail on the outside. The rail's underneath. You hook them together, you pretty much, you can put one cheek on one chair and one on the other if that's what you desire. I don't know how else to say it. Sorry. Okay? Some of y'all are like, that's a little too personal. Well, I'm trying to describe to you what's possible, okay? And, and these are wider chairs than normal because we want comfort, but we want space. We want more chairs. We want more seating. And that's not all. Try these chairs out after service. We're also talking about, and we have to raise the support for this, and that's not the color either. Don't get worked up about the color. That's That's just to show you the concept, okay? Throw up the next image there. I don't know if you can see it or not. Many of you know that we did a men's bathroom a few years ago. We've been planning the ladies' bathroom. It's taken time. We don't have the money for this but we are envisioning in faith. Okay? And what you have here, I don't know if you can even see my pointer on the screen here. Can't really see it. Um, This is right out, if you go out the door to the right, where the garland's at, where the missions board is, is right in this area right here. This is the lobby, okay? This is looking like where the missions board is, where the coffee table's at now. This is going to be a bistro, it's gonna be opened up, it's gonna be a bistro. Right behind this bistro is a support wall. You don't want to enter that the way, you enter from this is the hallway, okay? From the hallway, there's a ladies' lounge. Some of you are like, why do the ladies need a lounge? Guys, talk to the ladies about that. Let them tell you why they need a lounge. Anybody ever gotten married here? Where'd you change clothes? In a classroom, in a bathroom. This is also going to be a bridal room. Anybody with babies? You take your baby where to feed it? Hopefully you feed it somewhere where... Well, this is a nice space that you'll be able to feed your baby, breastfeed your baby, change diapers, so on and so forth. This is what the new women's restroom would look like. And I think we have a couple more images that show a close up, right there. Ladies' restroom, handicap accessible, four sinks, five commodes, the lounge will have an opening to go in and out of the bathroom right here. See it, the door swings open. Go to the next one, if you will. There's the bistro, coffee counter, place for some little cafe tables and seating in there, but we can serve coffee or we can serve other things from there as well. And then go to the next image. In the lobby, looking at where the missions board is now, where the window is, look at that, a stone fireplace right there. Not wood burning, gas, yes. but this is Vision. You don't have the money to do that, Pastor. You know what? You don't have to tell me that. I know that. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, where are you going to come up with the money? I'm going to believe God. And I know some of you are thinking, but you said we were going to carpet this place. We are. After they tear up our parking lot and put a sewer line through it, and they buy us a whole new parking lot. The city's going to do that, by the way. We're not going to put down new carpet if they're going to tear up our parking lot. We're going to wait till they tear up our parking lot and fix our parking lot, and then we're going to put new carpet down. This place is going to look different. It's going to feel different. And it's going to reflect the different change in the environment, in the climate, in the atmosphere. And hopefully it will help us over the hump of that, right? Right. Friends, that's vision. vision. I don't know where the money's going to come from. The chair campaign, that's an easy one. It's like, come on, you can help, you can... I don't know where we're going to get, but we're going to have a campaign and we're going to do a drive. I'm not going to pull somebody in here and talk about how you need to do this and that. No, we're, we're doing this all in-house. I don't like paying someone else to raise money for us when we can do that ourselves, right? Why am I showing you all this? It's because, church, we need to see it this way, in this setting, and begin to pray about it and begin to even feel it if you set one of these chairs after sitting in that chair you're sitting in right now, you'll go, Bless God, show me where to sign up. I'm buying a chair today. <laughs> but that's part of what vision is about, right? right. right? Yeah. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to fly higher and to go farther. To, in faith, see things, things that you can't see in the natural. You begin to pray and you say, wow, God, you're, you're beginning to show me how these things are possible that would otherwise be impossible. Things in your own life that look impossible to you. As you begin to pray for faith, God begins to give you visions. He begins to show you in his word where it says that you can trust him and take him at his word. But also that you can go farther as you envision what God wants to do in your lives. So stand with me, if you will. And I just want to end with a word of prayer.